You're listening to the CFP Podcast with your host, Sheffy, the college football writer, the source for your college football fix with picks, clicks, and conversions over kicks. Now, here's your host, Sheffy. G'day, mates. Welcome to the CFP Podcast, your source for college football picks, fix, and clicks. Today we want to give a shout out to all of our Aussie punters out there becoming a blooming fix while booming kicks on the college football landscape. Okay, I'm no Paul Hogan or Steve Irwin or even Hugh Jackman, but give me some cred. Not half bad for opposing amateur. Well, like our well-traveled awesome Aussies, today we cross four time zones and an entire continent to cover four new teams in our great 28 of spring. So far, we've previewed numbers 28 through 21 in our first two episodes, giving you detailed rundowns of what those teams are bringing into the offseason that precludes the 2021 college football season. Quick recap, we have Pitt at 28, Iowa at 27, App State at 26, Utah 25, going back to the Sun Belt, Coastal Carolina at 24, Penn State from the Big Ten at 23, a third Sun Belt team, Louisiana at number 22, and we most recently finished with Ole Miss from the SEC as our number 21 team in our Great 28 of Spring. Today we'll cover four teams over three states and two conferences. Again, we want to remind you that these projections are an analytical ranking that encompasses a team's returning production, the cumulative overall talent and depth that they have on their rosters as they enter the spring, and their statistical efficiencies from last season. In other words, how good and how productive they were on offense, defense, and special teams. These are not yet a prediction of how we think the teams will necessarily finish by the end of the season, but that's coming. For now, let us just tease you with a taste of what we have to look for as we begin the summer of 2021. You can find a lot more information and useful bits on our website, cfpcollegefootball.com. You can also follow me, Chappie, on Twitter. I'm at champion underscore lit. Visit us to help you with any hopes, projections, assertions, and perhaps some game outcome investments made among friends. Wink, wink. Hey, look, we don't judge here. Just do what you do responsibly. That's all. So let's unpack with forks up and heels down as we fight on to bring you more of our great 28. Info and knowledge aplenty, and we begin with number 20. Coming in at number 20 on the Great 28 of Spring, we've got the NC State Wolfpack out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Dave Doran now in his ninth year, and NC State, I think, overachieved a little bit last year. They exceeded some of the expectations. They finished 8-4, 7-3 in ACC play. Even though they lost their bowl game against Kentucky, they still had a fair showing, and more impressively is what they've got coming back this year. So we start with the offense. Devin Leary was the guy at quarterback once he got going last year. In only four games, he completed 60% of his passes for 222 yards per contest with an 8-2 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Now, overall, NC State's offense was 125th in interceptions thrown, but the good news for Pac fans is that 11 of those 15 interceptions came from the arm of Bailey Hockman, who has transferred out of Raleigh and is going to Middle Tennessee State. So provided that Leary can stay healthy next year, I think that there's a lot of promise at that quarterback spot. 
in the backfield, their rush numbers weren't all impressive, but their running backs are. Zonovan Bam Knight will be a junior. He averaged 66 yards a game, but five and a half yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. He also caught 20 passes for seven yards per. There's also Ricky Person and Jordan Houston backing him up at the two and three spots. The most impressive part of this offense, though, is their wide receiver core. Emeka Amizi, Thayer Thomas, Devin Carter, Porter Rook, C.J. Riley. They form the top four anyway. One of the better groups in the ACC outside of Clemson in terms of pure talent and production at wide receiver. Amizi had 47 catches for 15.7 yards, a snag, five touchdowns. He's coming back for a super senior season, big target. And Thayer Thomas, to me, is the best receiver that most of the country has not heard of. 42 catches for almost 13 yards per reception, 44 yards a game, six touchdowns, and he's also a great value on special teams. Concern for me, though, up is up front on the offensive line. Their numbers were not that great last year in terms of protecting the quarterback, but also the rush numbers, I think, were more of a deficiency on the offensive front than they were a deficiency in the backfield. So if this group, they returned four and a half starters, and I say that because they shuffled around a little bit last year. So the lone starter gone is Joe Sculthorpe at left guard, but Dylan McMahon played as a redshirt freshman and logged some good minutes last year. So I don't really think that there is a setback there. I think that's actually addition by subtraction, and McMahon is going to be a good one. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, everybody talks about the loss of Aline McNeil at nose tackle, and that is a big loss. He kind of ended his season early to prep for the NFL draft. They also lost Val Martin, who is transferring over to Minnesota. But they do bring back Terrell Dawkins, a, a promising freshman. He wore number zero as a redshirt freshman last year. Nine tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, caused two fumbles, so that's looking good. They're linebackers. Outstanding. Peyton Wilson is another guy who is one of the more talented people that a lot of the country may, maybe doesn't know him by name. And just a sophomore last year, 108 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, hurried the quarterback six times. He's teamed up with Isaiah Moore in the middle, who had 94 stops, 11 TFLs, and three sacks. A lot of havoc created by this unit in their front group. So they play a 3-3-5 style of defense and they do a good job exerting pressure from those front six. Now in the back end, Shaheem Battle is a solid cover corner. He had 36 tackles but 10 pass breakups a year ago. Cecil Powell's on the other corner, plays like a linebacker. He had 47 tackles but 32 of them were solo stops. So very good tackler in the open field. In the back end, they go with a three-safety look. Jakeen Harris, Tyler Baker-Williams is probably their best overall safety. Plays that nickel position, 60 tackles, five tackles for loss, but eight pass breakups. He also hurried the quarterback six times. So defensive coordinator Tony Gibson, a good one. He likes to bring pressure from the outside. And then, of course, there's Tanner Ingle, who is the elder statesman. He's a senior now, 33 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, but really the commander in that secondary. Another reason I like NC State's defense is who they pick up in the transfer portal. So they get Corey Durden, a junior from Florida State. Big, beefy dude at defensive tackle can help fill in for the loss of McNeil and Val Martin inside. But in the secondary, Cyrus Fagan, also from Florida State, and Derek Pitts from Marshall. Pitts is a guy who was covered a lot of ground, was a good tackler, a good cover guy for Marshall, who had a top-five defense last year under then defensive coordinator Brad Lambert. So teaming those three 
with what Tony Gibson can do. I, I like the prospects of NC State's defense in this coming year. On special teams, maybe one of the more complete units, not just in the ACC, but in the entire country. Trenton Gill is a stud as punter and a kickoff. So he put 35 of 67 kickoffs for touchbacks a year ago. Punting the ball, in 42 kicks, he averaged 45 yards per. 18 of them landed inside the 20, and 16 went for more than 50 yards. This guy is a, an absolute weapon, and I think that he will be somebody that does get drafted as a punter and as a kickoff specialist in next year's draft. Returning kicks, Zonovan Bam Knight averaged 26.6 yards per runback, including a 100-yard touchdown run. And then there's Thayer Thomas, who we mentioned earlier, a very versatile wide receiver. He averaged 10 yards per punt return, bringing those back. So they also return Gill as a placeholder. So he is a jack of all trades. He kicks off, he holds on placement kicks, and then he's also their punter. And then their long snapper, Joe Simcoe, is also returning. So solid unit on that area of the field for NC State. I look at this and I'm a little bit concerned that some people might be overvaluing them for their eight wins last year. They were four and two in close games. And what we've seen throughout history is a lot of times when teams win a lot of close games one year, they're not as fortunate the next year. So sometimes it tends to lead them to be overvalued. But overall, I do like this NC State squad. If Leary can stay healthy, if they can get more production out of their offensive line, which will then in turn allow the dominoes to fall running back in a positive way. The defense, I think, is going to be just fine. Like I said, I really do like Tony Gibson, their defensive coordinator, and that's why we start the NC State Wolfpack at number 20 in our spring 28. All right, for our number 19 team, we are going to go out to the desert in Tempe, Arizona. Forks up, baby. Let's visit the Arizona State Sun Devils. So this is a team that has a lot of intrigue going into 2021. Herm Edwards, let me say this right now, I will fully admit and eat crow and swallow my pride and say I was dead wrong on my assessment of Herm Edwards. And I think that most college football prognosticators were in the same boat thinking that he's got a lot of time in the NFL, very limited time in college. I think the last time he spent around a college program was in the 1980s and here he is three seasons ago, taking over at Arizona State, which was looking for some sort of positive momentum. And Coach Herm has done great things, not just on the field, but off the field and recruiting as well. And we're seeing that in a lot of the talent that they have on both sides of the ball, especially on offense. So starting on the point scoring squad, you got Jaden Daniels, who is by some accounts, a dark horse Heisman candidate. He's an All-American candidate. I don't know that he is up at that echelon yet, but he's certainly a gamer. He's somebody who's got ice in his veins and relishes the spotlight and the opportunity to succeed. He completed 58% of his passes last year, five touchdowns to just one interception. Now keep in mind, ASU only played four games a season ago, but he's also very dangerous with his feet. 6.8 yards per carry rushing the ball, 56 yards per game, and he scored four touchdowns in that area. His backs behind him are three very quality players who might make up the best backfield in the Pac-12. Rashad White, 10 yards per carry, 105 yards a game, five touchdowns. Chip Trainum made some freshman All-American teams. He averaged almost six yards a carry, 72 yards per game. So their one and two backs combined for 177 yards per game on the ground, nine touchdowns. And then there's Daniel Nagata, who 
averaged 4.2 yards a clip, 27 yards per game, and somebody who I think is going to continue to grow and get better. At receiver, not a lot of high-end talent in terms of big names and star ratings, but L.B. Bunkley Shelton is, is certainly a talent at wide receiver. Jordan Porter, Johnny Wilson, Ricky Pearsall is kind of that Julian Edelman, jack-of-all-trades. He can do it all. He can throw the ball. He can run it on end-arounds. He's a good sweeper and certainly good hands and, and toughness going over the middle. And they do get the services of Elijah Badger and Chad Johnson Jr., who were both freshmen, did not play last year, but they will be suiting up in 2021, and a lot is expected of those two higher-end recruits. I like their offensive coordinator, Zach Hill, and what he does. He came over from Boise State. He was in his first year as the OC in Tempe last year. Their offensive line, led by All-American candidate Donovan West, who will be a junior this year. They also return Kellen Deesh, who was a transfer from Texas A&M at left tackle. Really, the only loss on the line is Cade Cope at center. So uh, Henry Haddis, who was a transfer from Stanford, is coming back. So a lot of good on that offensive line. And what they get in the transfer portal, you know, they, they weren't stellar at wide receiver last year, but I think that there's a serious upgrade with Brian Thompson coming in from Utah. He was the Utes' number two receiver last year. There's a lot of buzz around Oklahoma transfer Jalen Conyers at tight end. They also bring on the offensive line Tristan Miller from North Carolina, a redshirt freshman who might be a reserve this year, but who knows, he might wiggle his way into that starting group when all is said and done. Defensively, this is a group that, first of all, I like the leadership. The tag team of Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce as co-defensive coordinators worked really well last year, both in their first year with the program, and Herm Edwards kind of being a defensive-minded guy, also does a lot of good things with this unit. So literally, everybody is back who was anybody for the Sun Devils last season. And it starts with Tyler Johnson, who had 16 tackles, but seven and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Again, just in four contests. So he's averaging nearly two TFLs and a sack per game. That linebacker, they bring back Merlin Robertson and Kyle Soley to work the outside linebacker spots. Darian Butler is a is a good one in the inside. I think that their numbers were a small sample size, and, and they're certainly capable of putting up better statistics this year. Robertson had a breakout season a couple years ago as a freshman. But then you get into the back end. Chase Lucas comes back at corner, one of the top players at that position in the entire country. So you're looking at an All-American candidate in number 24. And then Tamarcus Davis and Jordan Clark, Jack Jones, the, those three did a good job kind of rotating. So they had a nice flow of defensive players in that back end. At safety, you've got Evan Fields and DeAndre Pierce, both coming back for super senior seasons. Keon and Kiwan Markham, the Markham twins, who are, are playing at safety. Uh, and then there's DJ Taylor, too, who is really just a freak athlete. We saw him return kicks. We saw him tackle on special teams. We saw him play at free safety. He also ran a couple plays at running back literally all over the field, and the guy just always wants to be on. I think that that's a name to, to watch out for in the future, not just for Arizona State, but just in Pac-12 circles. Special teams-wise, Arizona State has a really good kick returner in DJ Taylor. We mentioned him earlier. They bring back Michael Turk as their punter, averaged 47 yards per kick, just on 14 punts last year. But of those 14 punts, six of them landed inside the 20 as coffin corners, and five went for more than 50 yards. 
They lose their place kicker, Christian Zendejas, who put himself in the transfer portal, but Jack Luckhurst is a guy that they're high on. He only kicked one field goal last year, but it came from 49 yards. And Logan Tyler is a pretty good kickoff guy. 10 of 28 kickoffs went for touchbacks. They also bring back super senior long snapper Eric Dickerson. Rashad White returns punts for them. So I think overall in all three phases, a pretty solid group for the Sun Devils. And if you look at their statistics, pretty good on offense in terms of scoring offense and rush offense. They were seventh in the nation in running the football. They finished 20th in total offense. They protected the ball, so they only gave it up five times, which is good for seventh in the nation. And again, it's a small sample size, but when they did have those opportunities, they made the most of them. Defensively, somewhat middle of the pack, although they were really good at allowing few first downs. They were ninth nationally in first downs allowed and 32nd in scoring defense, 27th in pass efficiency defense. And like we said, everybody comes back on that defensive side of the ball. So Arizona State is a team that, you know, there's a lot of hype being put towards USC in the Pac-12 South. I think that if there's a team that is going to challenge USC, we talked about Utah in an earlier podcast. I think they're a quality opponent, but Arizona State is the other team. In fact, I would say that, in my opinion, USC and Arizona State are almost neck and neck for that Pac-12 South. So when those two meet up in Sun Devil Stadium on November 6th, that's going to be a game to watch that could very well decide the Pac-12 South. So again, Arizona State, our number 19 team in our spring great 28. At number 18 in the country, we're going to go back to the state of North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. And you know why it's called that? That's because it's run with Carolina blue, baby. Well, actually, it's a Civil War reference. But nonetheless, North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, UNC, the Tar Heels, they kind of run that state when it comes to football, at least in recent times. And a big part of that is because two words, Mac Brown. Now, I know Dean Smith gets a lot of pub in that state, but this is football season, and we're focused on the gridiron, and we're focused on one of the best coaches that the ACC has ever seen. Now, I didn't say the best. He's one of the best. In his second time here in Chapel Hill, Mac Brown has got the North Carolina program right back and competing where they were when he last left them, the Chris Keldorf days. So as we look at the Carolina Tar Heels, it all starts with Sam Howell, the potential Heisman candidate at quarterback in his third year now. It seems already like he's been there for ages, but this is only his third season. That's because he started right out of the gates as a true freshman, set all kinds of records, had a pretty darn good season last year, completing 69% of his passes for 304 yards passing per game, a 27 to 6 TD to interception ratio, pretty healthy, five touchdowns on the ground. The guy can sling it, clearly. But he loses 2,000-yard rushers behind him in the backfield. That's right, not one, but two grand chunkers. That's Michael Carter and Javante Williams. So the big question comes right there in the backfield. Who is going to step in and fill the gap? Well, it's going to be a committee. They've got DJ Jones and British Brooks, who were the second and third back interchangeably. And Brooks was the one who stepped in in the bowl game and, and did a pretty respectable job without Carter and without Williams, who took themselves out to prepare for the draft, not wanting to risk injury. But they also have Ty Chandler coming in from Tennessee. So Chandler is a grad transfer, but I think even without that being said, he may have packed his bags 
and was ready to come out anyway because of the mess that's going on in Knoxville right now. Really, the offense is going to be centered more around Howell and the receivers on the outside. Now, they lose Diami Brown and Daz Newsom, two very capable playmakers who combined for 103 receptions a year ago. But they do get Bo Corrales back. Now, Corrales only played sparingly last year. He was injured and, and missed most of the second half of the season, but he is coming back. They're also bringing back Garrett Walston at tight end, who factors in as a, as a pretty significant target there. 13 yards per reception, 21 yards per game, two touchdowns, a pretty good red zone threat. But the receiving core is gonna be led this year in terms of big play and explosiveness by Diami's younger brother, Shoffrey Brown. Now, Shoffrey had 13 catches a year ago, 23 yards per reception. He was the big play receiver, and he's gonna be looked upon to continue to stretch defenses vertically. Helping him out is going to be Emery Simmons, a junior, and Josh Downs, who coaches are pretty high on. And look out for maybe one or two freshmen coming in in the program this year, namely someone like J.J. Jones, 6'4", 190 pounds. He could be somebody that develops and, and gets even more playing time as the year goes on. Up front, they do bring back all five offensive linemen who did a pretty good job in terms of rush production, but a lot of that, I think, was the doings of the backs behind them. If you look at how they protected, or more so how they didn't really protect Sam Howell, they were 100th in sacks allowed a season ago. And when, when Howell was pressured and when he was taken out of his reads and taken out of his rhythm, that's where things you know got to be problematic. And so that's certainly going to be an area that the Tar Heel offense is going to need to shore and shape up this year, especially given the fact that early on, they're going to need time to develop those backs and kind of get them into the flow of things. Defensively, the Tar Heels bring back a significant amount of players from last year's defense. Now, last year's crew on the stop side wasn't all world, but they certainly have the athletes. And I think year three under Jay Bateman now, he's proven at Army and he's proving slowly but surely at North Carolina that he is one of the better defensive strategists in the conference. So up front, Tamori Fox and Miles Murphy man the defensive ends. Now Fox is out this spring rehabbing an injury, but he had 43 tackles, six tackles for loss, and four sacks from his rush position a year ago. Inside, because North Carolina does like to play a three-man front in many cases, and I know that they will put a fourth guy up there, so they're a multiple front team, but Raymond Vahasek and Jaleel Taylor are two that can mix it up on the inside. Where their strength lies on defense, though, is going to be in the second level. So at linebacker position, Taman Fox is coming back for a super senior season, as is his outside mate Tyrone Hopper, another guy coming back for an extra senior year. Jeremiah Gemmel is going to work the inside with Eugene Asante. Now Asante stepped in and played for Chaz Surratt in the bowl game last year and, and had a pretty impressive showing against a good Texas A&M team. But you go even further to the secondary, and this is where North Carolina boasts one of the better crews in the ACC conference outside of Clemson, South Carolina. So you've got Kyler McMichael and Tony Grimes, as well as Storm Duck. So three solid corners. All three have the capability of making all ACC, and all three might, when all of a sudden done, make all ACC. Now, Duck got injured early last year, and that allowed Tony Grimes to play. And yes, we've heard the story ad nauseum at how he should have been in high school last year when he was playing in Division I ACC college football. All to his credit, but that story got run over and over again by certain analysts on a certain network. Now, 
behind them, or in the middle of them, more appropriately, Cameron Kelly, Don Chapman, Trey Morrison, Jacorius Conley, four solid guys to play three safety positions. So they've got their free safety, strong safety, and then they do like to play a nickel position. So don't be surprised to see Storm Duck work in that nickel slot, and then Conley also kind of work in that. So if you look at the numbers, they go about seven deep with all ACC talent in that secondary, and then a, a decent amount of depth behind them. Obi Agbuna is a good backup corner. Giovanni Biggers got some good time playing safety last year. So Jay Bateman is working with a good crew, and they've got one of the best, if not the best in Carolina history, Dre Bly, specifically coaching that position. On special teams, Grayson Atkins comes back for an extra senior year. He was an All-American at Furman before coming to Chapel Hill a year ago, where he hit 12 of 18 field goals with a long of 51. Only three of seven from beyond 40 yards, though, so that's something that could be improved. They also return their kickoff specialist, Jonathan Kim, who is one of the nation's best. 70 of 83 kickoffs went for touchbacks. That is an extremely impressive percentage. I didn't do the stats just yet, but I've got to look and see. That's got to be at least top 10 in the nation. Now, they do lose Carter at kick returner and Daz Newsom, who has been one of the most dynamic and most explosive punt returners in the country the last few years. So they're going to have to replace with athletes, but we know that Carolina does have the athletes there. So if they can establish that run game on offense, improve that offensive line, and then get even more uh, aggressive play from their front six, front seven on defense and create more havoc on opposing quarterbacks, forcing the ball into the hands of those very capable and talented linebackers and even better secondary personnel. I think Carolina is a team that certainly has a, a capable high ceiling, but also a very high floor in that they've got a great coaching staff and a lot of young talent and the recruiting keeps getting better and better. And that's why the start spring of 2021, we've got the North Carolina Tar Heels as our number 18 team. Coming in at number 17 in our countdown, we go out to the City of Angels. And the USC Trojans certainly had some heavenly help as they went three and one in close games a season ago. They went five and one overall, but again, four of those six contests, they only won by less than seven points. So they had a one point victory in the opener against Arizona State. They beat Arizona by four the next week and we found out that the Wildcats were not a very good team at all in the Pac-12. Then they beat Utah by 16, had a week off with COVID canceling the game against Colorado. They beat Washington State handily at home. Then they had to come back against UCLA in a very good game, a game that really I thought the Bruins should have had, but the Trojans struck with some magic at the end. And then they really just dropped it in the Pac-12 championship against Oregon, a team who was playing in place of Washington who was taken out because of COVID. So by no means are we taking anything away from the Trojans. And they certainly have a lot of talent coming in in 2021. But what we have to protect against is maybe overvaluing a team that is headlined by a pretty good quarterback. But Keaton Slovis, some say, kind of had a, a slight step back last year. He didn't seem like he was playing full strength. He completed 67% of his throws for 320 yards per game. A 17 to seven touchdown interception ratio. Pretty good, but I don't know if we could put that in the great category. I like how he was calm and poised in the pocket. He throws a good deep ball and he certainly had the talent to throw to. But he loses Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns. Brings back Drake London, who I think may have been the most talented wide receiver of the group and has a lot of potential to grow and get even better. 
Dude's a stud. 33 catches, 15 yards per reception, 83 yards per game. Just an athlete. He looks like a wide receiver who plays tight end, and he looks like a tight end who plays wide receiver. They also bring Bruno McCoy, who emerged and, and started to come on last year. 21 catches, 11 yards per, only 39 yards per game. But again, he was really the fourth target. Gary Bryant Jr. was a freshman last year who did some really good things on the offensive side of the ball for the Trojans. I'm a little bit concerned about the offensive line. So their offensive line wasn't spectacular last year. Their rush numbers were not good, and part of that was because they threw the ball a lot. But they finished 120th in the nation out of 127 teams in rushing offense. And then you look at how they protected the quarterback. They were only 84th nationally in sacks allowed. So, you know, the bottom half of college football offensive line numbers in terms of rush yards produced and sacks allowed. Slovis, when he was pressured last year, you know, like I said, still calm, but the numbers certainly were a lot better when he was getting the ball out without a lot of havoc in his face. And they lose their best offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker, who left early to go to the NFL. They do bring back Andrew Voorhees for an extra season. Liam Jimmins, their right guard, is coming back as well. The offensive line is run by Tim Drevno. I think that they will develop and get better this year. They're going to be a lot more experienced. Brett Nealon, their center, is uh, going to be a senior this year. We mentioned Voorhees, who's going to be a redshirt senior. Jalen McKenzie's a pretty good one at right tackle. He'll be a senior as well. So they can get better, and they're going to have to get better if this offense is going to take the next step. Now, at running back, even though the numbers were nothing spectacular, Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr both coming back. Now, Malapai is really the banger, and Carr is the slasher. Malapai averaged 4.4 yards per carry with Carr going at 3.8. The two of them combined for just over 70 yards a game. Only five touchdowns combined. But they also bring in Texas transfer Keontae Ingram, who's gonna be a pretty good addition to that run game. And then I also like two other transfer portal additions, Katie Nixon from Colorado, and then Taj Washington, a redshirt freshman from Memphis. Now Washington, I think, has the bigger upside, not only because he's got theoretically three more years to play the game, but his athletic ability and his speed on the outside, you really saw that capitalized in Memphis last year. So teaming him with Drake London, Brew McCoy, Gary Bryant, and then also two pretty good freshman talent, Kyron Ware Hudson and then Michael Jackson III. The wide receiver room is going to be stocked so much to the point that Josh Jackson, a pretty talented wide receiver, is moving over to the defensive side of the ball to, to shore up that secondary a little bit. So taking someone of his talent and then moving him to defense, I think says a lot about what's going on in that wide receiver room and the talent that they have on offense. Defensively, the Trojans were okay, not great, and they lose some pretty good talent. At nose tackle, Marlon Tuipolotu is gone. Uh, Elijah Griffin, one of their starting corners, and then Talanoa Hufanga, who was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. Definitely some good stuff going, but you look up front, Drake Jackson is, in my mind, one of the best and one of the freakiest athletes in the Pac-12, and you team him up with Corey Foreman, the top recruit in his class. It sounds like Foreman is going to get on the field early, and I think the, the combination of him and Jackson rushing from the outside is certainly going to pose some problems but they're gonna to need to get better at, at creating havoc that turns into turnovers. Their havoc numbers were pretty good last year, but in terms of getting turnovers and, and putting it in the hands of their defense, 
They were 42nd nationally, which was tops in the Pac-12. But you know, again, I think that for them to turn the corner, those numbers are going to have to improve even more. And their numbers stopping scoring in the red zone have to get better. They were only 119th nationally, which was dead last in the conference at stopping teams once they got inside the red zone. So outside the 20, outside the 40, numbers look pretty good. But once you, you got them where you wanted them inside that 20 yard line, inside the, you know, the offense's green zone, they call it, or the gold zone, some teams will talk about. That's where the Trojans suffered a little bit. And I think that's where it, it has to shore up in 2021. Now, you look at the strengths on defense. It's in the secondary. Chris Steele, an all Pac-12 corner, coming back for his junior season. Max Williams did a pretty good job at the nickel position. Greg Johnson played well at the corner spot in reserve. He's coming back. Um, you know, he and Williams kind of rotated at that nickel corner spot. Isaac Taylor Stewart's another one who could play out there at corner. We talked about Josh Jackson moving over. Isaiah Polamau is going to be an all Pac-12 type safety, but there's not a lot of depth at the safety position beyond that. Really, it was just Hufanga, Palomao, and Chase Williams who got the majority of snaps at the true safety positions. Todd Orlando is in his second year coordinating the defense out there in LA. I think that they are going to make a step up. I do like what Orlando does. I like his aggressive nature in that 3-3-5. They like to man you up on the outside. They're gonna attack you with, with their rush abilities from guys like we talked about, Drake Jackson, um, Hunter Eccles, and then also Corey Foreman coming in. But will that youth and that athleticism translate into something that's going to be a solid fixture on defense, or is it going to be more high risk and not enough return, especially as teams cross the 50, cross the 40, and start to threaten in that red zone area? Because as we saw last year, the offense does a good amount, but they're not an offense that is going to put up 40, 50 points a game. There were a lot of close games last year, I think because the offense would bail them out toward the end of the game, but that defense is going to have to do a little bit better job of really smothering and stifling opposing offenses and either taking the ball away or forcing those three, four, five plays and then they punt, giving the ball to that dangerous Trojan offense. Special teams, I really like place kicker Parker Lewis. He started off pretty hot, started to miss some toward the end of the year. He finished 9 of 13, but he's got a huge leg. Even though his long was only 48 last year, we saw a lot of good range in warm-ups and in some of his misses. Pretty accurate overall. They have Gary Bryant as their primary kick returner. He averaged 26 yards per run back last year. And then Ben Griffiths at punter put it up for a 46-yard average on just 18 punts. Seven of those 18 went for over 50 yards, and nine of them were dropped inside the 20. So I like USC's overall special teams, and I think that they've got talent at place kicker and punter positions. But for USC to really vault up and be that consistent top 10 threat, I think that that offense is going to have to take a slight step forward, especially with a little bit more balance in the run game. We know that they're going to be able to throw the ball, but if that run game with the threesome of Malapai, Carr, and then Ingram coming in from Texas, and if that offensive line can improve to give Slovis even more time to pick defenses apart with that talented wide receiver crew, if the defense can start to smother a little bit more as opposed to just being a good Havoc team and a team that can kind of punch you in the mouth in the first few steps at corner, but then you know have the tendency to give up big plays, if they can limit that and force teams to, to do a lot more punting as opposed to driving down the field, I think that this USC team can do well, but as of right now, I see them as our number 17 team in the great 28 of spring.
that's 20 to 17. Yes, like TikTok, we've reached the teens and we're trending up. I thank you for your ears, but I want to pick your brain and urge you to pick mine. Give me a holler and a follower on Twitter at champion underscore lit. Also, please go to our website. It's cfpcollegefootball.com. Here you can take an even closer look, not only at the teams we were just talking about, but the others in our great 28 and all Power 5 squads, as well as an increasing number from the group of five and more coming in throughout the weeks. We give you stats, starters, and significant stat charters for all the pertinent squads and more to come as we continue to roll through this offseason. Again, that's cfpcollegefootball.com. It's got a lot of what you hope to see from the preseason mags, but right now it's free. So take advantage and let us know what's hot. And stay tuned this week for more audio previews on the CFP podcast. Soon to be steady in your football, get ready. Please subscribe and rate and reach out to me at champion underscore lit or email me at cfpcollegefootball at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Chappie for the CFP podcast, and this is what I know.